0: today it's crystal clear here you are listening to more morgulons uh, thank you for that stay tuned we're gonna finish that paper about Jan's disease uh, the uh new proposed name for morgulon's disease if 2012 is new to you okay stay tuned we left off yesterday um, at the discussion section of a research paper written in 2000, or published in 2012, Etiology of Yan Morgulon's Disease, a New Plant-Like Infectious Organism from Brazil and Its Skin Manifestations by chun Young Jan. She's named Morgulon's Yawn Disease after herself, um, which is ballsy, but it is actually a decent name. Okay, starting at the discussion part. Samples of the organism can be recovered from an infected individual by simply picking specimens from the skin surface. No special instruments need to be used when collecting the samples. So that's a very, very different um, perspective than the ones we've seen described in Middleveen's papers or other papers associated with the uh, Morgulon's Research Foundation. Um, I personally think that this author is correct i do not believe i mean it may be helpful to have magnification because these are very small objects the morgans but i don't understand why you would need any special instruments need them to collect samples because with the unaided eye i can identify and observe samples coming out of my skin all the time In fact, I just saw a new Morgulon last night uh, on the floor, and I put it with my collection. And remember that huge thing I had on my face a couple weeks ago with that hot pink flakes coming out of it? It's back! Thanks, Morgulons. Okay, anyway. Figure 1A shows the white fibrous root form of the organism on the patient's lower arm, and figure 1B shows the tuber mass form of the organism on one of the patient's thumbs. A tuber... Um, just sort of means a rounded swelling or something, a part that's protruding. Um, It also can mean a much thickened underground part of a stem or rhizome, e.g. in the potato serving as a food reserve and bearing buds from which new plants arise. Organism appeared to evade the effects of the antifungal drug by migrating onto the skin surface from the underlying dermis. The effectiveness of antifungal Azoli drugs and decreasing the number of organisms might relate to the reported cellulose structure of morgalons fibers. So, remember the CDC study, the few, uh, very few samples that they took and examined of morgalons uh, objects, fibers, whatever, uh, they found them to contain cellulose, which they interpreted as meaning they were just cotton fibers from the environment, and therefore morgalons are not real delusional, but we know there's plenty of things that contain cellulose. This research and other research suggests that morgulons contain cellulose. That's why the antifungal drugs would be effective somewhat against morgulons even though it doesn't seem to be a fungus. A characteristic similar to that. She goes on to mention that these morgalons autofluoresce in black light. The bluish phycocyanin and reddish uh phycoerythrin phycobiliproteins can be found in four types of organisms. So she's suggesting that the thing that makes them glow under the black light is a substance not unlike phycobilly proteins. And those phycobilly proteins are found in four types of organisms. Cyanobacteria, formerly called blue-green algae. So algae uh, is different than bacteria. They're in different classifications um, in the taxonomy of living things. So it used to be thought of as an algae. Now it's thought of as a bacteria. Cyanobacteria are... Cyanobacteria is the thing that's responsible for... Occasionally, the ocean turning like blood red, it's like this red algae when they have this, they have this boom or bust cycle of growth. And so when they're booming, they can take over an ecosystem and the toxins they produce are extremely harmful to man. Actually, they've been associated with um, development of ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a fatal um, illness, uh, very rare and um, paralyzing. I'm not aware of these other organisms being involved in human pathology. The red and blue pigments observed in the organism might be related to the phycobili proteins, which aid photosynthetic processes for the above organisms. However, based on other observed characteristics of the organism, it is unlikely to be related to algae. The, or algae. The multicellular nature of the organism also rules out any possible relationship with cyanobacteria, cryptomonads, or glaucocystophystia. Uh, the existence of possible photosynthetic pig- pigments in the organism rules out the possibility of a fungal relationship. Thus, Morgulans will maybe be the first report of an organism undergoing a photosynthetic process in humans. But what kind of organism? So, is it a plant? Is it A bacteria? Is it a virus? Is it a genetically engineered organic nanobot? I'm not sure how to interpret this part of the discussion. But moving on, that's all there is. We've got results coming up next. Okay, results. The organism can be divided into four main morphological forms. Morphological forms, all she means is four different looks. Um, I would argue that there's about 40, but okay. Anyway, the organism can be divided into four main morphological forms, i.e. tube shaped fibers, amorphous tuber masses. Amorphous means, uh, not having a clear shape or not being super defined in form. Um, so tuber is just swollen protuberance, right? So just sort of a lump, a weird lumpy lump. Um, she also says, uh, so that was two of them, or sorry, tube-shaped fibers, amorphous tuber masses, fibrous roots, and seeds. So uh, the interrelationship between these four forms, forms—members so the roots, the seeds, the tubes, and the amorphous tuber masses, um, the interrelationship between these four forms are based on a limited number of samples in which more than one form of the organism is present, and their interrelationship can thus be observed and established. Aspects of the characteristic features and morphologies of the organism to be described and discussed here are based on observations of samples under both light and electronic microscopes. The tube-shaped fiber form has the appearance of individual blue, red, or dark fibers under the epidermis. Some tube-shaped fibers formed a network of blue fibers under the skin and blue and white fibers protruding from lesions. Biopsies of infected skin samples were found with quote, fibrous material revealed nothing specific but an inflammatory process with no observable pathogens. Colorless blue and red amorphous tuber masses are usually found as individual small, dark specks and granule-like objects on an intact skin surface. The seed form of the organism forms simple or complex structures with sharp and pointed ends, which cause which causing the stinging, biting, and shooting sensations from the skin. The movements of the very fine roots of the more mature seed forms of the organism might account for the crawling sensation on the skin. This is a very interesting theory. Um... The term morgellons was first used by Sir Thomas Brown in 1674 to describe harsh hairs breaking out of the skin, blah, 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 blah. The name morgellons disease or morgellons syndrome was created in 2002 by Mary Lieto as a practical placeholder because of its dermal similarity to the morgellons described by Brown in particular. The label morgellons disease was also intended to be an alternative to decades of clinical use of the label delusions of parasitosis, also known as Ekbom syndrome, which is a form of psychosis, including a strong delusional belief of infestation with parasites. Very often the imaginary parasites are reported, reported as being bugs or insects crawling on or under the skin. Many medical doctors still believe that Morgulon's disease is a mental disorder and is not caused by a living organism as suggested in this paper. Girlfriend, and who knew that eight years later, after you've proven that these damn things can be grown in vitro or in the tube, in the lab, in, um, as well as the way they grow in vivo in life. I mean, it's insane. They still think it's a delusion. mm, mm. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention understandably has not wanted to use a term coined in 1674, more than 300 years later, to characterize a range of cutaneous symptoms including crawling, biting, and stinging sensations, finding fibers on or under the skin and persistent skin lesions. Most patients in the 21st century do not fit the descriptions from 1500 to 1800. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention thus came up with the term quote, unexplained dermopathy, also called Morgellons, to distinguish an entity separate from Morgellons disease or Morgellons syndrome. In this paper, the new term yawn disease is used as a synonym for Morgellon's disease uh, slash unexplained dermapathy. The author coined the term in order to distinguish the disease from both the Morgellons described in 1674 and the Morgellons disease identified in 2002, both of which are still of unknown etiology. In the absence of the term yawn disease, others would need to use a term of unknown etiology and more than 300 years old for a present-day disease caused by a new organism as described in this paper. The placeholder term will become an official term in the future no matter whether the two diseases more than 300 years apart were caused by the same organism as described in this paper or not. So she's just saying the Morgalon of yesteryear is probably not the Morgalon of today. This name has been appropriated, it's not accurate. I think we need to come up with a better one because we've got a new organism we're dealing with. And I tend to agree with her. Morgalons do not behave like other known pathogens. We know that, we, we know it has to be true because uh, I don't see anybody with any other disease having colored or glittery stuff come out of their skin right? Um, so that's what's unique to the morgues, and that's what's unique to the Morgulons. Along with the fact that they're really more like um, diatoms, like a type of algae or the, the stuff that is, you know, diamatous earth. You guys might use this as a home remedy for Morgulons. Um, it just seems like Morgulons don't resemble bacterial, viral, or fungal pathogens that we know. Maybe it's an algae I don't know. Let's talk about the tube-shaped fiber form. Most samples of the tube-shaped fibers were collected from the finger's skin surface. The tube-shaped fibers were usually 0.1 to 0.01 millimeters in width and a variable length, which could be over a few centimeters. At the root end, the colors became lighter and the structure showed a distinct cap where short roots were extruded either in clusters or individually. Another sample of the tube-shaped fiber formed fibrous roots at the top and a type of banding at the lower end. She's got figures, figure 2B. Scanning electron micrographs showed tube-shaped fibers, figure 3A, with smooth, rounded outer surfaces, which did not collapse, as did the fibrous root form after exposure to high-temperature treatment for electron microscopy. Of course they didn't. They're unburnable, honey. We've done the worm burn, we know. We know. A more thorough analysis of the fibers performed by the Forensic Laboratory at the Federal Bureau of Investigation revealed that, quote, the fibers do not resemble textiles or any other man-made substance. The fibers were reported to be, quote, indestructible by heat or chemical means, making analysis difficult by conventional method. There was a sample uh, identified with a reddish brown, short tube-shaped fiber connecting to a triangular-shaped bluish tuber mass form of the organism, figure 2c. The bluish tuber mass was observed to be composed of two or three internal tube-shaped structures that could be traced within the tuber mass to cone-shaped extrusions along the edges of the sample. It's kind of hard to visualize as I'm like reading this out loud and can't see the pictures go check out the page y'all because she's got pictures of this stuff but um yeah i mean the stuff she's got pictures of what she's describing those triangle shapes seen it seen it so many times it's definitely morgulon some kind of a morgolon. don't know what these organisms are but i'm grateful to see a paper where they're described and shown in detail and i recognize each and every single one of these Morgolons very interesting very i don't know why other papers don't have this but this is a great one thank you miss yon that was the tube-shaped fiber form description. Now we're gonna talk about the amorphous tuber mass form. Most of the amorphous tuber mass samples were collected from the palms. That's where mine come out. There were no definite shape or structure to the amorphous tuber mass form of the organism. This form might be a type of energy storage aggregate, similar to that in the potato, which is also a tuber plant. Tube-shaped fibers and or fibrous roots were observed to originate from and extend into various parts of the tuber mass, figure 4a. Uh, Very interesting. Budding similar to that observed in potatoes sprouted from various parts of the tuber mass, figure 4a through c. A sample of a fibrous root showed four small reddish masses that grew along its length. These fibers might represent a backbone or conduits via which some form of energy could be stored within the tuber mass. Why don't we call it potato head disease? Because I've got potato head disease today. Like, that thing on my face is back, y'all. And uh, it hasn't started, uh, you know, hemorrhaging hot pink fibers yet. Maybe I'll get new fibers this time out of it. Pretty exciting, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, Anyway, okay. Under electron microscopy, a sample of a large tuber mass about 0.21 millimeters in length showed budding in a smooth outer surface. The bodies seem to be cracked open on one side from which tube-shaped fibers extended outwards from the inside into either ends along the length of the tuber mass. Figure 3A. Again, I have seen this shit with my own two eyes just under three times magnification. You can kind of make out these fibers extending from uh, these amorphous masses. Um, yeah, I can confirm. Thanks, Jan. Um, most of the masses collected were relatively large, about one millimeter, and colorless or opaque under the light microscope. These colorless masses turned an opaque, dark color when put under sunlight for an extended period of time. Interesting. The darker color might relate to generation of a large quantity of uh, proteins after stimulation by sunlight, a process similar to the photodestruction of phycoerythrin in red algae. We speculated. So there's like relationships here with algae, fungus, and bacteria potentially, as well as potatoes. Okay. Sounds to me like a new or modified organism. We speculated that the relatively more abundant and smaller sized brilliant bluish tuber masses might have originated from the upper skin where the longer spectrum of sunlight penetrates and reflects blue light. The less common and larger sized reddish tuber masses might have originated from deeper parts of the skin where blue light with a shorter wavelength penetrates and reflects red light. Interesting theories we've got here. Uh, the colorless tuber masses figure four C and D might've originated from relatively deeper parts of the skin where little sunlight penetrates. This is similar to chromatic adaptation of red algae, whereby the proportion and or the nature of the different pigments is varied in response to differing qualities of incident light. So this is a great um, hypothesis she has here uh, to test. And it's really sad that eight years after the publication of this paper, I am not at least aware of any further research that's been done into the unique Morgalons materials. Yes, Middleveen has done great work with her friends, Stricker, Fessler, to show us that there are known pathogens uh, existing in Morgalons patients' skin. However, nobody has yet defined what the Morgalons are. That's what I want to know. I want to know what the morgulons are. There's your answer. This ain't Lyme disease. Okay? Like, it's not. Lyme's disease doesn't involve shiny glitters and iridescent shit coming out of your skin and strings and uh, potato tubes, whatever. I, I mean, this is so frustrating that we don't have any additional insights. Eight years after this scientist, researcher, uh, put out some actually good information about real morgulons, the ones that I see. This, this is so affirming. It's like so validating to see that like, hey, you're not going crazy. All these weird looking things, they really are weird looking things. It's not something that just, you know, fell off of something else magically, mystifyingly. No, they're morgulons. Oh, God, it's so frustrating. Anyway, I don't get frustrated. I identify solutions and act on them. Isn't that right, y'all? Yes, we do. Okay, um, so she's got a hypothesis. We've got to look her up and see what she's been doing for the last eight years. Interesting. So small roots with a relatively extensive abutting grow from the colorless tuber masses after a period of a few months with or without sunlight. So, hey, we don't need anything to survive. Just basically we will exist and keep existing and proliferating somehow no matter what. Yes, that has been in my experience with my housekeeping and my body. Ugh, more ones. These tuber masses were observed to have a lumpy surface with budding and a root system. There has been a report of quote virulence v i r genes derived from chromosome and from the t i plasmid, including the t d n a in Agrobacterium tumef. Fosciens, based on polymerase chain reaction study of samples from patients with Morgulon's disease. She's citing that 2005 or seven or something uh, study, I believe that Stricker did, uh, that found agrobacterium in the wounds of a few, a handful of Morgulon's patients. Uh, too small of a sample to say much, but very interesting, very interesting. And it was consistent against a control group that didn't have Morgulon's. And they did not have agrobacterium uh, anywhere on their bodies like the morgues did. So very odd because agrobacterium is used, as we know, in uh, genetic engineering for uh, genetically modified crops. And note here, um, cyanobacteria is also used in genetic engineering and nanotechnology the plant-like organism was infected with agrobacterium and formed lumpy tumors which were larger and more numerous than the blue or red tuber masses or black speck-like material the tumors forming the tuber mass form of the organism appear as granule-like objects on an infected skin surface i got your granules yes Just call me sugar, because I'm covered in granules. Okay, fibrous root form. Most fibrous root samples were collected from the lower arm in the form of colorless or white fibrous roots with a great variety of lengths from about 0.1 millimeters to several millimeters. Yeah, these things can get big and it's weird because they come out of you and it doesn't bleed usually. Most of the fibers were short, but a few millime- about a few millimeters in length with a width of one-tenth of a millimeter. In heavily affected areas, the fibrous roots could be rolled into threads or strands by rubbing the skin surface with the fingers, figure uh, 1A yes thank you thank you can I tell you how many damn times I have been in the shower or something and I initially when this first started happening when it first became a morgue y'all and I didn't know I was a morgue I kept thinking like is all of my body hair coming off because I would just use soap wash myself off and as I would run my hands down my you know limbs or something I would look at my hands and they'd be covered in these long rolled up hairs. And I'm like, well, hmm, I guess I don't have to shave anymore. What the hell kind of scabies is this? Yeah, but as we all know now, uh, I guess, you know, what I was actually doing is I was... uh, It was a heavily affected area of my body and I was running my hands, you know, down the surface of the skin and I was getting strands of the fibrous root form of morgulons. That is... um, really good information to have. Because if you didn't have that information, like of course I did not at the time, if you don't have any information like that, it can definitely make you feel like you're crazy. Like, did I just experience that? When this first comes on, you're constantly questioning yourself because the things that are occurring, just do not fit your model of previous experience or knowledge. The fibrous root samples were shown to auto fluoresce under ultraviolet light and collapsed in form when exposed to high temperature treatment for electron microscopy, figure 3A and B. The fibrous root samples were also viewed under a light microscope, figures 2 and 4. And she has pictures here of those goddamn things that are flying around my home all of the time these little white tiny it's like you'd think they're dust particles floating on the air and then it's too big to be dust it's like uh, it's like a string floating on the air um the fibrous root form that's the flying form i think um yeah they're like dandelion seeds but more substantial like not as ephemeral not as uh they're thicker um Seed form. The seed form of the organism that is all over Crystal's floor all the damn time, no matter how many times she vacuums. Uh, The seed form of the organism causes crawling, biting, stinging, and shooting sensations when emerging from the skin and mass or individually. Um, I believe this as well. The seed form of the organism can be divided into simple and complex forms, approximately 0.1 millimeter in size. The simple form was comprised of interconnecting branches in various configurations. The branches had a shapes similar to long narrow blades with the pointed ends facing away from the interconnecting central parts, figure uh, five B and D. The sharp and pointed ends were the major cause of the cutaneous symptoms of crawling, biting, stinging, and shooting sensations. Yeah, because we're getting stabbed by tiny blades. The complex seed form of the organism formed more or less circular patterns with branches radiating outwards, figure 5a and c. The center formed a high dome shape, figure 5a, suggesting that the branches might grow from a single seed or from the end of a fibrous root. Figure 5c shows a more mature seed form of the organism with the sharp and pointed ends changing to very fine fibrous roots connected to a central to mass movement of these fine fibrous roots could account for the reported crawling sensations I've done time-lapse videography to um, film one of these seeds that has the fibrous uh, roots coming out of it and they absolutely do move when you speed up a long like 20 minute video and condense it to about 50 seconds or whatever with a camera that is on a tripod and stable. Try it at home if you don't believe me. The fibers move. Okay, and we gotta get rid of them. Okay, Uh, the fibrous root and seed forms of the organism have a chemical ability to deform plastic and cut very small holes on thin plastic, an ability also found in some fungi. Hello, that explains the holes in the Ziploc bags and the cellophane. Interesting, so it did escape. I'm not crazy, I knew it all along and I never doubted it. Nice to see that at least one person knows I'm not crazy either. These abilities enable the organism to puncture healthy skin, which is thought to be a major factor in infection of the host. See, this is what I don't understand. Yeah, they're known to puncture healthy skin, obviously, because they're slicing through the inside of you to get to the outside of you. And from the outside of you to get inside of you. And most of the time they're doing it without causing bleeding. Don't understand that. Would love to know how. And after they give you this alternative lesion Uh, spontaneously it also spontaneously heals for me now it comes back but it does heal and it's like as seemingly spontaneous um, as these things erupt so too do they spontaneously regenerate there's a very um, relapsing quality to this it's very cyclical um, I joke about the full moon <laughs> bringing out the morgulons, um, although with the tiny data set I have, it actually does have a correlation, but you know, that's something that we need to put in our database, y'all. One day, one day. One um, day. This is an awesome paper. I can't believe it's already almost the end of the show. Oh, we're going to have to drag it out to another show. And we still haven't finished Middle Bean. But it's so exciting because we have so many interesting things to talk about. I never, ever run out of things that I want to say um, and ask and hear about this really fascinating uh, condition, Morgellons. That I now have, and perhaps you have as well. If you are listening to more Borgalons, I appreciate you listening. I really and truly do. You guys are great. Um, give me some ratings, give me the good ones, or give me the bad ones too. If you truly think this show sucks and that I'm a crazy delusional psycho, um, because that would be kind of interesting and entertaining too. And the comment cave. We haven't been there in a while, guys. We haven't been there. We're going to go this Friday. And if there's no comments there, then the comment cave becomes an echo chamber. Yes. Yes, it does. Anyway, we will follow up with potato head syndrome slash yawn disease slash uh, morgulons. Um, Whatever you want to call this disorder that makes people have colorful things come out of their skin in the really weird bizarre shapes colors and that are basically indestructible objects that are a sort of like algae sort of like bacteria sort of like fungus sort of like um are they living i think they are i think this paper pretty well establishes that because she grows them in uh some kind of agar material like potato and blood agar i think is what she said um which kind of proves that these things are reproducing and if you're reproducing that is life um and well i guess not really because viruses are are viruses now i don't know there's so many questions (laughs) But we're learning, and that's all we can do one single step at a time. Through those steps, we make our path. And if we are on the path to uh, self education, understanding, and uh, awareness and advocacy, we are on the right path, in my opinion. Okay, it's a beautiful day in Atlanta, so I'm going to go outside and see if I can start this pressure washer. This ought to be hilariously unsuccessful. Okay, uh, stay tuned.